If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to John 14 and John 15. I want to talk to you about one meeting, one relationship that can change everything. Do you know that one door opening can change your life? One meeting, one relationship can forever change your life. You can feel like sometimes you wonder, has God heard my prayers? Has he left me in the place that I'm at? Why am I in this place of despair or discouragement? And one meeting can change your life forever. I want to talk to you this morning about that meeting. And I would use uh, for a subtitle, the power of relationship. The power of relationship. John chapter 14 Verse 16 and 17, and then John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. John 15, verse 13 through 15. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. What if I told you today that one relationship can bring a change and you will never be the same again? This morning, I want to introduce you to a person who has the power to change everything. All of us have things that we are asking God to change in prayer. Many of us today have things that we are believing for God to do in our lives. A lost loved one who needs salvation a physical need or a disease that needs to be healed, a financial issue, or maybe it's something very personal that only the Lord would know what that need is. I've come to tell you today that I can introduce you to someone who has the ability and the power to bring the needed change. See, he not just only has the ability, but he has the power to do it. He has the authority to do it. So this morning, I want to introduce you to someone who can bring the needed change in your life. You say, well, pastor, I really don't see a need to change. I don't like that word change. I don't want to change. I'm kind of a creature of habit. Well, whether we want to change or not, life is filled with changes. It changes. Things change. The society change. Laws change. Rules change. Uh, our physical uh, body changes as we grow older. Everybody that's not growing older, say amen. But life is filled with changes. And you and I need God's guidance and direction to navigate these changes. Listen to Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 to this promise that God made to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In Psalms 18, verse 2, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. What a promise we have from God today. And our text reads in John chapter 15, verse 13, he will guide you into all truth. 
I believe there's power in relationship. The kingdom functions on relationships. Life without relationship would be empty and lonely. We need relationships. And it's a proven fact that if people are in committed relationships, they live longer, they're healthier, life is better because they're in those relationships. But I want to talk to you about a relationship today that transcends human relationship. And I want to talk to you about one relationship that can forever change your direction. If you read in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a story about Joseph. Joseph had powerful dreams, but he was despised and persecuted by his own brothers and his family. They sold him into slavery, and later, later he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and then imprisoned. He suffered an injustice. God's chosen vessel suffered an injustice. Sometimes we wonder, why is life so unfair? Sometimes we wonder, why are things happening to me that's unjust? Even God's chosen vessels suffer injustice and suffer things that are not fair. Sold as a slave, falsely accused, and then imprisoned. And he's an innocent man in prison. Now, sometimes if you'll visit prison, you'll find out that most people that are in there claim to be innocent. And most people don't believe what they're telling them. I'm innocent. I was framed. I was railroaded. It was the police. It was my family. It was not my fault. And they don't take responsibility. And that's not true. But in this case, this man is innocent of the charges that are brought against him. In one sense, he's almost like a political prisoner because Potiphar was a very powerful man in Pharaoh's household. And there he is in prison. Here's a man that dreamed that he would rule and reign, dreamed and had purpose and destiny in his life, but he finds him place in a place of injustice. And while in prison, Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker fall out of favor with Pharaoh. Listen, I wouldn't want to work for Pharaoh. And they come and he interprets their dreams. And he says to, to the butler, you're going to be reinstated. And when you do, plead my case before Pharaoh. But like most, he forgot. And just when he felt everything was forgotten and all hope was lost, the butler opened the door to Pharaoh and the meeting that he had with Pharaoh changed everything. I want you to look at Psalms 105 verse 17 through 22. It talks about Joseph. Listen to what it says. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. One relationship changed everything. You might feel like today you're in a place where you have very little hope. You might feel like today that you're in a place of despair and sorrow. You may feel like you have prayed and fasted and sought God and believed God, but yet the answer hasn't come. All it takes is one butler to open a door to Pharaoh and everything can change in a moment. See, here's the thing about God. Everything can change momentarily. Now, we live in a life that's fragile. We live in a, in a world that's fallen. We live in a world, and listen, just, just a few weeks ago, 
dangerous tornadoes formed and came through Alabama and lives were lost and there was no time for warning. Listen, you can live your life, you can work all of your life, you can take care of your home, get your home paid for, live in that home and think, man, I've got it, I'm going to just sail through retirement now. And one storm could come and destroy that home in a moment's notice. In one moment's notice, everything could change. But when you serve the Lord, the wind of God's Spirit could come along and in one moment's notice rearrange everything around and one butler can open the door to a Pharaoh. Now, why did Joseph need a Pharaoh? He needed Pharaoh number one to promote him. Pharaoh's the supreme ruler of the land. He didn't have Congress. He's the king. And he says, this man will be my prime minister. Here's my chariot. Here's my robe. Here's my ring. That ring was like having carte blanche. He needed him to promote him. But secondly, he needed him to finance the vision that God gave him. Pharaoh financed the vision and brought the plan of God into Joseph's life. One meeting can change everything. Look at your neighbor and say, one meeting can change everything. The Lord created Adam and Eve. Now notice this. He would come to the garden in the cool of the day for fellowship. God created man for fellowship. God created man for relationship. God created us so that we could have intimacy with him. And he would come down in the garden in the cool of the day. But sin marred this fellowship. You see, sin always enslaves. It separates. But Jesus came to bring liberty and to restore us to relationship with God. Now, who is this individual that I'm talking about today who has the power to bring change? What is his name? Well, he's known in the scriptures as the third person of the Holy Trinity. In our text, he's called the helper. In some translations, that translates as the comforter. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, listen to what Paul writes. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power and love and a sound mind. In the book that I wrote, 21 Days of Transformation, I'm just going to quote it to you. In John 14, 17, Jesus makes a profound statement. He reveals that it is possible to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. In the latter part of this verse, he says, But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Dr. Raymond Culpepper writes in Understanding the Ministry of the Holy Spirit, he said, God's word affirms that it is normative practice for Christians to experience a dynamic personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. There will be something lacking when that relationship is absent. So this morning, I want to just take a moment and give you three things about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. First of all, I want you to note the scriptures teach that he is a divine person. Who is this third person of the Trinity? He's been called the most neglected member of the eternal Godhead. Because there's been such a lack of understanding concerning the Holy Spirit and his ministry. Because, you see, we understand the Father. And we understand the Son. And we know his name is Jesus but the Holy Spirit is not known just by a personal name. Therefore, we tend to think of him differently. But the scriptures teach us that he's a divine person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The one in three and three in one. And there are a number of people, even in the church today, who don't really know the Holy Spirit or who he is. They think of him as only an influence or an unseen power. But the Bible tells us that he is a divine person. The scripture reveals that he operates as a definite personality in the New Testament church. He possesses all the characteristics of a person. He possesses the attributes of mind. 
in Romans 8, 27. In 1 Corinthians 12, 11, he has a wheel. In Ephesians 4, 30, it says he feels. In Hebrews 10, 25, he witnesses. In John 14, 26, he teaches. In Romans 8, 26, he intercedes. In Revelation 2, 7, he speaks. And then we learn in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, that he continues to speak to his children today. The question is not, does God still speak today? But the question is, are we still listening? To understand the Holy Spirit as a divine person, we can understand what the Holy Spirit is not. Let me give you some things that the Holy Spirit is not. He's not merely an influence. He's not just a power. He's more than a manifestation or an influence. He's not just a mere element, though elements are used to describe his work and ministry. He's not wind, although the Bible speaks about the wind in John chapter 3, verse 6 through 8. Jesus uses the wind as a description of how the Holy Spirit works. Listen to what he says. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell from where it comes or from where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, they heard the sound of a rushing mighty wind. When my mother was filled with the Holy Spirit many years ago, in a small prayer meeting or in a revival service, she heard the winds of Pentecost blowing when she was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to tell you, that wind's still blowing today. The wind didn't stop blowing, hallelujah. But he's not the wind. The wind is a manifestation of him. When we hear the wind, we know behind the wind is a person that's creating the wind, and it's the Holy Spirit. You see, he's working on earth today. He's not fire, although the fire represents his outpouring. The Bible says on the day of Pentecost, cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist prophesied. He said, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, of whom I'm not, his shoes I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Man, that's what we need today. We need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire. Fire is important in the Bible. Fire burns away impurities. When they mine gold out of the earth and they want to separate the gold from the other impure rocks, they put it in the fire and that, that fire will cause that gold to melt and the gold will, will, will separate itself from the dross and separate itself. And that's how they purify things. Things are purified through fire. We need the fire of God to come in our church services. We need the fire of God to come in our lives today. Therefore, we can be purified by that fire. He will baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Touch us with the fire again, oh God. He's not rain, although the rain is used to describe him. And I'm not talking about a literal rain. I'm talking about a rain of the Holy Spirit. We talked about it this morning. We sang about it this morning. Holy Spirit, rain down. Let the Holy Spirit fall like rain on this congregation today. Let the Holy Spirit fall like rain on this city today. Let the Holy Spirit fall like rain today on every individual. Let it water the dry, barren ground that has gotten hard because of a long period of drought. But let the rain come and penetrate the cracks in the ground and get down into the root system so that fruit can spring up in the name of the Lord. Let the rain fall. 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, prophesies about that. In James chapter 5, verse 7, he said the early and the latter rain shall come. You see, there was two rains. There was an early rain and a latter rain. The early rain brought in one harvest. The latter rain brought in the other harvest. But we used to sing a little chorus that said we're going to put those two together. And we're going to have the early rain and the latter rain together. I'm looking for the time and the place where God will put those two rains together and there will be an outpouring of his spirit unprecedented like this world has never seen. Do it again, Lord. Do it again. Do it one more time, I pray. Let the rain come. He's not breath. Although he's called in the Old Testament the Ruach HaKodesh. And it's the breath of the holies. Ruach in in Hebrew, pneuma in, in Greek. It speaks of wind. It speaks of breath. What happens, I believe, when we're born again is the breath of God comes into us. The Bible said that God made Adam. He formed him out of the dust of the ground and he breathed into him and he became a living soul. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were dead in trespasses of sin. Somebody had bought a grave plot, put up a, a tombstone and our name was written on it. It said, William Terry Bailey, dead in trespasses of sin. But God, the breath of God came into that place of death. It was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that came. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Come on, somebody. Came into my spirit, man, and made me alive to God. He's not oil. Oil's a symbol of the anointing. And the Bible said the yoke is destroyed because of the anointing oil. And he's not water. Although the Bible refers to the refreshing waters of his presence. Wash over us today, Lord. Wash over us today. Renew us. Renew us. Let the refreshing water wash over our souls. When you travel sometimes to other countries, and Zach and I go to Panama, it's the humidity, the heat. All our meals are done outdoors, and there's a reason for that. I was down there last time in the rainy season, and it would rain for a little while, and then it would just be hot again. It just, it just, it'd be hot, it rained, then it'd be hot, and it was muggy. And it was humid. And after you minister and after you get out, and especially us that's not used to that, you're, you're sweaty and you're tired and you're dirty and you feel it. And, you know, and you, you probably don't smell too pleasant. But, man, when you can get under the, the shower and that cold, refreshing water washes over you, it renews you. It makes you feel better. You feel alive again. Listen, we need to get under the spout where the glory of God's coming out. We need the refreshing waters of the precious third person of the Trinity this morning to wash over us, to wash away the grime and the dirt and all the stuff that affects us, to wash away the weariness of the season that we're in. We need the Holy Ghost to come this morning and refresh us and renew us. He's not tongues. Although the Bible teaches us that when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we speak in tongues. And tongues are a manifestation of the Spirit. He's not prophecy or gifts of healings or gifts of of word of wisdom or word of knowledge. Those are manifestations of His presence. He's the person that is behind and the giver of those gifts. Who is this divine person? Can we know Him today? He is a person. He's the precious third person of the Trinity. He possesses attributes of personality. He's eternal. He's omnipresent, he's omnipotent, and he's omniscient. But notice, secondly, he's all-powerful. We don't serve an impotent God. 
He's not up in heaven pulling buttons and, and trying to get angels to cooperate. He spoke these worlds into existence. He set the earth on its axis. He causes the stars to, to shine in the sky at night. Listen, everything that you see was created by God. It wasn't created by an evolutionary process. It was created by a divine creator who painted a canvas and 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 declared this universe, and he reigns sovereignly over this universe today. He possesses attributes of personality. He's eternal, but he's all-powerful. I remember a graduate class we were, uh, where we were studying the power of the Holy Spirit. The name of it was Power Ministry for Today. And there were three questions that we talked about in that class that people are asking. And here's those three questions. Number one, is God real? Is this God I'm preaching to you about today, is he real or is it just a figment of our imaginations? Is it something that was made up in order to control a populace? Is he real? And secondly, is he real? Is he powerful? Does he have the power to deliver me out of sin? Does he have the power to break bondage in my life? Does he have power to set me free and bring liberty and freedom into my heart? And third, can we know him? Jesus says in our text in John 14, 16 through 17, I will pray the Father. He'll give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want you to notice those words. You know him. Let me read it to you from the Amplified Bible. I will ask the Father, he'll give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby to be with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive and take it to its heart. The word helper is translated as comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, and standby. I just want to report to you that he is powerful. We see the power of the Holy Spirit in the, in the very first pages and in the first chapter of the Bible. In Genesis chapter two, 1 verse 2 it says, The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word hovering there is translated as brooding. It means sweeping across the face of the waters. God spoke the words in this world into existence and when he spoke the Holy Spirit went to work creating these worlds I submit to you this morning he is powerful listen to his promise in John 14 18 I'll not leave you orphans I will come to you we learn in scripture that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Luke 1 he performed miracles by the power of the Holy Spirit he was anointed by the Spirit Luke 4 18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. He was filled with the spirit according to Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. He raised the dead by the Holy Spirit. I love the passage of scripture in Romans 8 verse 11. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's our helper today. He empowers us for service. He gives joy. He gives gifts. He helps our weaknesses. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26 through 27, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
He's a divine person. And he is powerful. Acts chapter 13 verse 6 through 11 says he enables the church to overcome opposition. I want you to know the Holy Spirit empowers you to live the resurrected life. You can't live this life by yourself. You can't overcome the enemy by yourself. You can't overcome the obstacles and the difficulties and the storms and the tribulations and the trials that come against you by yourself. You can't do it in your own strength and in your own intellect and in your own power. But we have a helper from on high. We have a strengthener, a standby, a comforter, an intercessor. And he empowers us to live the overcoming life. You can't live the sanctified life without the power of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 through 18, I will say then walk in the Spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you not, do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, the law never had any power to save. It only has the power to condemn. And the Bible said that when we look into the law, the perfect law of liberty... It shows us our sinful condition. But Jesus came, hallelujah, and fulfilled the law. Satisfied the just requirements of the law. And now the blood of Jesus becomes a propitiation, a covering for us. Therefore, we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace. And who, you, who is the spirit of grace? The Holy Spirit. I was going to put different names in this message, but I just ran out of time and space. But he's the spirit of grace and supplication. Spirit of burning. We need that spirit of burning again today. But notice last, he's a divine person. He's a divine, all-powerful person. But notice thirdly, he'll lead you into your purpose. How many of you know God's got a purpose for your life? I said, how many of you understand and know that God has a divine purpose for your life? We're to be a spirit-filled, spirit-led people. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 5.18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. To be led by the Spirit is not a mystical thing. I wrote the book, 21 Days of Transformation, a study of the person and the work of the Holy Spirit with the goal of demystifying the Holy Spirit. Living the Christian life, a Spirit-filled Christian life, that's not a mystical thing. That is a normal New Testament way to live. And I've had people say to me, Pastor, I don't believe that you can hear from God. I don't really believe you hear from God. Many times that's because they are not listening and hearing from God. Therefore, they want to project that onto you. But you can be led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit leads in many different ways. And it says if I'm led by the Spirit, I'm not, no longer under the law. In other words, I'm not living under the legalism and the bondage of the law. The opposite of being filled with the Spirit is to have a religious spirit. And a religious spirit usually wants to live under the legalism of the law. When Paul wrote to the church at Galatians, they had sacrificed the glorious liberty of Christ to come back under the Jewish law because they had been a group that had come in and preached that they would have to keep the law to be saved. And he said this, who hath bewitched you, O Galatians? In other words, who's manipulated you or controlled you or led you astray? We learn in Psalms 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. The Holy Spirit will lead you into your purpose. How do I find my purpose? How do I discover my ministry? And listen, there's far more in the ministry than being a preacher. There's far more in the ministry than just teaching Sunday school class or singing in the choir or being an usher or doing those things. Ministry is related to where I'm at every day. If you have the ability to work on vehicles, repair alternators, put in new batteries and do those things. I can do very few of those things. So I have to rely on others to do that. That can become a tool of ministry 
to help other people. And you can use that as a platform to preach the gospel. But those can become tools. How many people can you meet? And see, the Holy Spirit will empower you to do that and open doors for you if you will put him first in those things. I'm trying to show you that everybody has a purpose in life. God didn't create us to just live on this planet and hopefully one day retire, draw Social Security, and go and pre-plan our funeral and one day die. He called us to infuse his life into this place of death. He called us to be a lighthouse, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. He called you and I to be evangelists and witnesses and encourage encouragers in the name of the Lord and wherever he's placed you that is your place of ministry teachers medical professionals do you see what I'm trying to say the Holy Spirit will lead you into your purpose he'll help you find your purpose John 16 13 our text says he'll lead you into all truth but we have to learn to listen to his guidance he seeks out a relationship with us so he can encourage us and give us guidance in every part of our life. He wants to reveal himself to us so he can continually supply our inner man with strength from above. He writes in 2 Corinthians 4.16, your inner man is renewed day by day. Why does he seek a relationship with us? To encourage, to edify. That word edify means to be built up and to comfort us. He longs to communicate with us today. And what does the Holy Spirit want to communicate to us? Well, let me give you these and I'm finished. Number one, he desires to give us direction for our lives. How many of you want direction for your life? See, life has to have meaning and it has to have purpose. And we find our purpose. My father was a, he was a businessman. He loved what he did. He told me, he said, I don't, it's not, I don't have a job. I get up every morning and I'm just passionate about what I do. He never saw it as a job. He loved it. Secondly, he longs to reveal God's plans for our lives. How many of you know God has a plan for you? Number three, he'll help us to understand and grasp God's word. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 16. Number four, he will speak to us about the Lord Jesus Christ. John 16, 13. And number five, he'll help you discover your purpose and fulfill your ministry. Stand with me. A submarine was being tested and had to remain submerged for many hours. When it returned to the harbor, the captain was asked, how did the terrible storm last night affect you? The officer looked at him in surprise and exclaimed, storm? We didn't even know there was one. The sub had been so far beneath the surface that it had reached the area known to sailors as the cushion of the sea. Although the ocean may be whipped into huge waves by high winds, the waters below are never steered. The Christian's mind will be protected against the distracting waves of wor worry if it is resting completely in the good providence of God. They are sheltered by his grace and encouraged by his Holy Spirit. The believer can find perfect peace through a relationship with the Holy Spirit.